Now Bucky will step back in with a count of one ball and one strike. Runners at first and second, two out. Here in the seventh inning, the Yankees are trailing 2 nothing. Dead is the key man. Stretched by Torres, the set, the kick, and the pitch. Hit deep to left field. This one may be off the wall, maybe in the screen. Home run! Home run for Bucky Dent. Home run of the Yankees lead it 3-2. That McGregor changeup that you've seen so much of tonight. Hit well, right field. Singleton to the wall, and this ball is gone. Willie Stodjo, the big man. The barrel of the bat comes back at Roger Clemens, and he fires the bat back toward Piazza, who is going down the first baseline. That is all Roger Clemens there. A moment started by, created by Clemens. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to another episode of Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever season that is, for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win, and more important than anything I just said is that you apply the FanDuel.com slash minus three promo code, or else what are we really talking about here? It's the my, it's the word minus, the number three, and of course we appreciate you following along, telling your friends about it, downloading, subscribing, all of it, minus three, and follow along on social media at minus three. So much to kibitz about here. NBA, still got a couple college basketball games left. The puck is, uh, is moving fast and furious in the East Division. Let's talk about all of it with our pal all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. Now he's a fancy Hollywood writer. Everybody going gaga about his performance on our second minus three podcast for the last five weeks and all the way through summertime. Maybe I'll even mention the Bow Sox here as we move forward over this next uh, precious, these next precious few minutes. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Hey, well, you know, we? opening day. Always yeah. delighted. Boys of summer arriving. Socks have been rained out. Mets have been coveted out. Off to <laughs> off to a rocking start. Twenty twenty one baseball season. Um, is that is are we supposed to take this as some sort of uh, metaphor for the state of baseball in uh, in the twenty first century? Well, you know, it's funny. You get baseball. You forget how long that season is. Like, right? You go that your team goes two and four and you're like, it's over. It's over. We'll never recover from losing those first two series. <laughs> 130 games later, you're like, wow, we still have a month of baseball left. It's, you know, that, you know, it's funny with the NFL adding a game. It's like, you know, who could shave 30 games pretty easily. I mean, I know it's all about revenue, but good Lord, who, who can, who can endure the, the Batan death march of a baseball season anymore? Well, let's well, let's look at the um, what's just on the horizon, which is the weekend. But also we can project ahead there um, a little bit before we jump in. That's exactly right. We're, we're at a weird crossroads and the short term gratification that's required by sports fans more and more and more. And now I wonder if I mean, listen, there are other human 
uh, issues that probably Trump, um, the sports schedule owed to the way COVID has broken in this past year and how it will impact things going forward. But I do really wonder, will people now after this past years of past year of evidence and you know that was already an issue for all the sports is like people like "Eh, my couch and the 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 50 inch pretty good compared to having to deal with traffic and parking and everything else and getting home a little late and everything else i wonder if what if any sports or which sport most will suffer from that and two this nhl season i know i'm a broken record about how much i've loved it and baseball as well wonder if people are going to be like Let's just uh, cut to the chase here. How about the 75 ball games, Major League Baseball? Do we really need the 162 at this point? And then the problem is, same thing as the NFL going to a 17-week schedule is it now corrupts all the 16-game era um, single-season records. So anyway, I'm just making a statement, not a question, but if you wish to weigh in, Hench, have at it. Well, I think for baseball, like, you know, it's weird how the DVR – has changed our lives. I mean, because you can consume so much more content when you are only consuming the actual content, right? When, I mean, if you're just having a gentle three hour and 22 minute experience with a regular season baseball game, I mean, in the TikTok era, how it would be like, um, uh, Malcolm McDowell in a clockwork orange. If somebody pinned your eyes open and said, you're going to watch a regular season baseball game in real time. He would be like, what is happening? What's nothing is going on. Oh yeah. That's what it so was true. Like. So that's true. what it was like for a hundred years, you know? And now when you get the, the toggle just exactly right. And the guy's basically throwing a pitch every second and a half, because, you know, if you get really lazy, you wait till the ball's in play because your, your remote will, it, it, you can see when the ball's in play, if you're at double toggle speed, and then when you hit play, it'll go back to the pitch and you just get eliminate these, these new 14 pitch ABs where you're like, Oh Christ, this guy can foul off every ball in perpetuity. This game will never actually happen. Um, so I do, I do worry about baseball with the younger generation. I mean, it's why it's gone to this strikeout home run format, right? It's just all about the, the long ball and there's, you know, no more moving the runner over. Thank God. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be hard for the kids to hang with, uh, with regular season baseball. I I guess, uh, we're, we're playing to who we are a little bit, given our, our actual ages and everything else, but curmudgeonly coming out of the gate on opening day a little bit, but yes, that's right. I I've said it before. I'll say it again. If I ever win any awards, which I won't for being a father of the year, it will. The first person I will thank is my DVR because uh, that guy really helps me out. And by the way, that reminds me, Spaghetti, this goes to you, too. And Hench, please be cool. No, uh, no text messages when the Penguins and Bruins are playing. I got my parents in town from Pittsburgh. I've got the kids. Every, every We're all gathered around here. I don't have the time to watch the game here on the West Coast um, in real time. So I have to watch it on DVD. Hold on. Please hold don't on. text me anything about the game. I don't. I, that's all I about have. About regular season hockey games? Or is this for when they play in the playoffs? No, no, no. This is this. Listen, oh, what matters oh my, oh here my. now? You, you don't want a spoiler for your team that's essentially already clinched a playoff position. You I don't suppose wanna, so. 
Speaking of which, we will have spaghetti and meatballs breaking down the uh, the weekly deep dive on the East Division. By the way, go back and listen to a couple of days ago. We had our old pal reunion, Jeff Schwartz, coming in there. We chopped up whether or not the Jets are actually in a good enough position now that they'd be better off. And if, in fact, in the 21st century, as we've so often talked about, the idea that the sweet spot for a pro football team is yes, it's great to have a future Hall of Famer, but the but to put a finer point on that, a future Hall of Famer, at least when you feel like, boy, this guy is one of the six or eight best quarterbacks in the business, and he's on a rookie deal. That's where you really want to be. It's diminishing returns, even if he is a future Hall of Famer. You have to throw out everything with Tom Brady because that is neither here nor there for the 31 other pro football franchises. But really, the Jets, if here's what we talked about hedge if the jets could get if if the seahawks call up tonight and say to john to uh joe douglas of the jets we'll give you russell wilson for the second overall and next year's first i think joe douglas maybe says no to that he's like yeah that's a lot on the books for russell wilson 10th year and everything else i think we're better off with one of the kids i think we've reached that weird place in football where that's like I say, that's the sweet spot for things. Anyway, go back and listen to that. Jump in on that. But I do want to say happy opening day because I know Eddie Spaghetti is very excited about his Yankees right now. Cousin Sal, very excited despite his uh, his covid shot running through his blood. He tried to express some enthusiasm for his Metropolitans. Maybe we'll get a redo of the the uh, 2000 World Series between the two New York teams. That's sweet stuff. Uh, Eddie Timo Perez. Timo Perez is still celebrating as he slows down around second base to get thrown out of the plate. My mind is, is running uh, wild here. Cause I uh, have had uh, a few cups of coffee just before we got going here. But now I'm thinking about that 2000 world series spaghetti and hench. And when terrible when, deal, by the way, spaghetti and hench, Oh, yeah. it's a terrible Andre. Oh, and with coffee. No, that's, that's even, that's not the drink you want with those. Um, the, when Roger Clemens picked up, the broken bat and threw it at Mike Piazza. I it's one of those events in like Ron Artest goes into the stands in the, in the malice in the palace. And then that will follow him, whether he likes it or not for the rest of his days on the big blue marble. If Roger Clements, if that thing impales into Mike Piazza in the, in the world series, I suspect we talk about that one uh, in, in the first paragraph of Roger Clemens obit. Right. And it's so insane. Like, Rocket, why are you pissed at Piazza for hitting him in the head? You hit him in the head. Because <laughs> he's, he's juiced up. Can't be, be held responsible for his so actions out there. Up. You know what's weird? I was just thinking, like, you know, you mentioned our respective ages. Like, uh, and we do have to do our picks here, Shek. Yes, always, I know. You're right. All right. Thank you like, for keeping I just want to say knows. real quick. It, as you get older and you have more information in the old brain pan and the white matter replaces the gray matter, like we're going to get to a place where we're going to be like, I'm pretty sure Mazeroski and Piazza played together. And you'd be like, no, 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 no. Those guys were 40 years apart. Like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure they were on the same team. <laughs> um, all right. Let's let what we can talk about. We can settle all other hash in just a few minutes, but you're right. Hench. Let's uh, take care of business. And again, Write it down if you need to. Fanduel.com slash minus three. The word minus the number three. Our best bets. Here we go. We've been 
I'd say borderline hot. I think we've done collectively pretty well over the last couple of weeks here. Eddie Spaghetti, I, I cut you off before you could even uh, celebrate uh, Giancarlo and Judge and the rest of uh, of your Yanks as they start off what's sure to be a, another championship run. Why don't you kick us off here with uh, with your best bet of the weekend or one of? Sure, I'd love to, and uh, I thank you for bringing up the Yankees. I think for you know our best bets going forward now, I'm going to love having the Yankees involved here. They are playing the Blue Jays this weekend, who they should be a pretty good team, Toronto. So I, you know, despite Cole pitching today, Yankees have a couple good pitchers. I kind of like the overs in those games. But anyway, I'm not going to give those out for my best bets of the weekend because there are three very simple hockey bets to give. And there's some really good basketball ones, too. The Celtics have a good matchup with the Rockets. I know the Sixers host, I believe, the Timberwolves. The Knicks are going to rebound probably against the Pistons. But, look, when the Sabres are on the schedule versus my Rangers, you got to go with the Rangers. I know the Sabres just won, but they're, they're Sabres reason why are they lost. hot. Sabres are hot. No, no, no. I don't buy that. There's a reason why they lost 18 straight. And also creeping closer is the trading deadline. You know, is Taylor Hall going to be moved? Are they going to start benching guys? I mean, in reality, I don't want to. I don't want Fanduel to do this because I want to keep the games on the board. But they should probably move these games off the board. I think it's going to be that easy. Um, the other games I like coming up, the Islanders are hosting the Flyers on Saturday. I mean, the Flyers are broken. They're a broken team. They're the team that I guess would give up a win to the Sabers. Uh, they put Shane Gosa Spear on waivers. They can't even play Carter Hart. It's it's a it's a mess over there. And another really easy one: the Devils have struggled at home all year long. They're playing the Capitals on Sunday. It's a nationally uh, televised game. Uh, I know, Dave, you're not as strong in the Caps. I happen to think the Caps could be good. They, I mean, Ovechkin's been very streaky as of lately, scoring a bunch of goals. I just don't see the Caps hang. I mean, I don't see the Devils hanging with the Caps this weekend. So give me the Caps, give me the Rangers, and uh, give me the Owls at home. No, I listen. I, but uh, for the record, I I've been wrong. I'm happy to Jerry or back it when I'm wrong. I say I'm wrong, uh, like he does at the end of Dirty Dancing. But um, well, let's wait and see on the Caps. I guess now I'm looking at the postseason because it seems almost sure that the Caps are going to get into the playoff mix as the Flyers fade away here. I still, though, given a choice as a Penguins fan of the potential matchups there, give me the Caps. I like the Penn's speed. Um, and their ability to skate around the uh, the trees that are the Washington Capitals of 2021. I, I'll take that over the the Bruins and Islanders in a seven game series. Hench, I'll say you your best bets. Uh, okay, so ran the table last week, gave out the Celtics plus seven against the Bucks. They won outright, and then I took both. Uh, you know the favorites. Baylor minus seven against Villanova. They covered um, and uh, Houston uh, covered against Syracuse. So coming off a hot, hot streak. So let's let's change that right away. No, uh, I like it's so funny. Everyone's talked about how crazy this tournament, this tournament, this basketball tournament has been so crazy, except for the part where the two teams that everybody said are going to from from Jump Street. Uh, these two teams are going to play for the championship. There's no one can can compete with these two teams and they're going to play for the championship. Baylor and Gonzaga are going to play like, so it's like, yeah, you could, you could shake all the other teams up in a bag and just dump out your picks because these two teams are on a collision course. Um, good. And, I, and I, good I, I, is what I yeah. say. Fun. Everybody likes their upsets. Everybody likes that, the that Phil in accounting wins the, the March madness pool. Good. Everybody's had their fun. I'm, I'm happy too. If we wind up with the actual two best teams right. going head so, to head on Monday night, good Friday. Uh, I, I will smile on that as well. 
I like, you know, even though they, they, I don't think they could put that number quite high enough. I like the Zags minus 14 against UCLA. I think it's actually going to keep moving up. Um, you know, UCLA, if you watch that Michigan game, it was like, you know, the, the non-Juzangs went 10 for 35 in that game. Crazy. Uh, I think they're going to get smoked. And I think, it, you know, even you listen to Cronin after the game and it's like, they're like, we're satisfied. We did it. Like, they have that feeling of like, we did it. We did it. Like, now we can get blown out by the Zags. Uh, and then, you know, Houston, it, they're the first team to reach the Final Four playing only double-digit seeds. I think that came across the scroll. And it's like, oh, you're moving up in class quite a bit against Baylor, who every team, maybe except the Zags, because they never seem to have a bad possession. But you always have that game where you play poorly. And that was Baylor against Villanova. They, you know, uh, Mitchell, Teague, and Butler were one for 13 from behind the arc, and they friggin' covered the spread. Like, that's, you know, that is a good team when you can not have your A game and still cover. So I like both favorites to cover. Uh, uh, Houston's only getting five against Baylor. That feels too small. Uh, and then my my baseball bet for the year is it's a brutal division, but I think people are sleeping on the Red Sox a little oh. bit. That team is going to mash. I mean, Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez is going to bounce back. Dahlbeck is a monster. I'm telling you, they're going to lose a lot of 10-8 games, and they're going to win a lot of 12-10 games. But I got them at over 50.5%, which is how uh, you kind of have to bet these over-unders in the COVID era because you don't know how many teams, as you know, the Mets get canceled on opening right. day. You don't know how many games they're going to play. Um, so those are my three bets, the, the the heavy favorites in the in the tournament and the Red Sox uh, to win more than 50.5% of their games. Well, Spaghetti took my thunder on the, the Sabres. I'm going to go back to that well. Maybe one last time. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. I kind of stayed away. If you follow me on social media, you'll notice as much as I was pushing for the preceding two weeks, you gotta go. Whoever is uh, giving a goal and a half to the Sabers, this is uh, free money. Get in on this. Kind of laid off because I mean it was getting to a point of all right. At some point, the house has to win this one. This can't just go on endlessly. That the Sabers lose every game by two plus goals, and so I was right. I'm gonna go with spaghetti. Um, on this one that the Rangers uh, playing well do bounce back. And uh, it's a mess in Buffalo right now as, uh, as they wait someone, uh, the hatchet man, I guess actually not the hatchet man. That's good news. If somebody walks in and says like, uh, Hey, um, Hey, Taylor Hall, uh, can you go uh, talk to the coach? Like, I got traded. Um, That's good. We don't need a hatchet. You don't need a hatchet (laughs) when there's an ornamental saber behind your desk. Yeah, that's Use right. actual saber in your office to get rid of Taylor Hall. True. Yeah, that's a good point. The the sword of Damashek. I need one of those hanging over my head as a warning to all of you before you get bad with me. Um, yeah, it, it seems like, yeah, you wouldn't walk in. It's not the hatchet, man. It would be like a a, a confetti shooter. Like, hey, good news. So one of us got traded. Who was it? Um, I'm going to look at uh, Thursday night's game with the uh, with the. Nets here and the Hornets. And first thing that jumped out at me, it feels a little low that Brooklyn is only given three and a half to Charlotte. Um, you know, they have the rookie of the year sitting down do the Hornets. So that seemed weird. And then I look at the total of 224 and uh, unearthed a bunch of nuggets here. Under is five and oh in the Nets last five after they score. I mean, there's a little 
uh, deep in the weeds here, but after scoring 100 points or more in their previous game, under 4-0 in the Nets' last four games following a straight-up win. Nets are 0-4 against the spread in their last four overall. So, like I say, that 3.5 seems juicy, but I don't know if I want to go that way. Now, where the Hornets are concerned, under 5-0 in the Hornets' last five after allowing 100 points or more. Under 5-0 in the Hornets' last five road games. And the Hornets are 5-0 against the number in their last five games overall. So if you're leaning in either in any direction, actually taking the dog Hornets maybe makes more sense. I'm going to avoid that. It doesn't make sense to my brain to say that would would, would be the wise move. I say go under. All the numbers point to that. Do it. FanDuel.com slash minus three. Get that one. Um, And... Uh, as far I was, I, I don't want to mention the, I'm not going to bet against the Pittsburgh pirates, their season total, which is embarrassing. It equals the same. Their loss total is the same as the LA Dodgers projected win total. That's uh that's sad. Um, so, but let's the, the notion of rooting for or abiding by a bad team like the pirates. I don't think this speaks to loyalty. This is what franchises do. The Pittsburgh pirates are trying to appeal to, to the locals, by saying now's when we need you, you know, now's when we need you. Like, no, you're not trying. I'm not going to support you. I'm not going to meet you halfway when you aren't trying Pittsburgh pirates. Right. We, you, you can take a season off morally, ethically as a sports fan, right? If your team stinks and it appears that they're not trying, I'm under no obligation to sit through and endure every, I think every, if the pirates have taken decades off, you can take a season. Ryan, like, that's fair, isn't it? <laughs> that seems fair. I was, when you were talking about Taylor Hall, uh, maybe being liberated from the Sabres. I had, to, I had this image of the uh, Saigon airlift when they're getting, their, they're getting <laughs> helicopters. They moms, moms are grabbing the pontoon to get out of like, they're like, Jeff Skinner's going to be holding Taylor Hall's leg as the helicopter lifts out of Buffalo. Like, get me, please get me the fuck out of here. Please what, take me gonna, with you. Take us with you. They we give a they pick a get we get a goal and a half every game they pick against us we got I got to get out of Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, at least at least they're in Buffalo. That's a that's the good news. If you get to stay behind your you get to stay in Buffalo. You know, the thing about the Nets, too, that is just a crazy sort of number to look at is that um, they're five. And, 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 you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin aren't the the two key pieces besides their uh, projected optimal big three. Let's assume KD gets out there for the postseason along with the other two. It really is crazy that um th- that it is wh- who is it Kyrie who's the the third overall that all, those five guys Aldridge and Griffin um and the big three the lowest and oh James Harden that's who it is James Harden was the third overall pick the other four guys were first or second overall that's that's the five for the Nets and it occurs to me that we're overthinking things at least through the Eastern Conference and probably whoever they catch in the West too I get that your big three Celtics did it, you know, now 12, 13 years ago um, with that. That was the, that was the OG big three coming together at the player level, kind of like talking amongst themselves and let's all go up to Boston and do this. And then LeBron, of course, with, with uh, Bosch and D Wade, this is, this is the height of, of this era, right? I mean, th- th- these three guys are three of the best scorers, three of the top 20, 25 scores in NBA history. Is that a hyperbole? Uh, 
it's a bummer, man. It's just, you know, I was thinking about those five guys and I was like, I, I don't have at my fingertips what the fewest all-star appearances, like for one of the, I don't know who, which one of those five guys has appeared in the fewest all-star games, but like whatever that number is, it's the most for a five. Like there's never been a five guys who've all played in multiple, multiple, multiple all-star games. And I don't like, I mean, the thing where people just go, well, I'm not going to play for you or I'm going to make it unbearable. I don't want to be here anymore. So I'll just make everyone's lives miserable unless you get rid of me. Um, okay. We'll get rid of you. Uh, we're going to, we're going to trade you to the Pacers. No, no, you have to trade me to where I want to go. Like what? I kind I, of agree. Like, I, it just makes I, no sense. So then, I mean, the only fans, fans are woke. Fans of this woke era is weird that somehow, because it a lot as it happens, ultimately, yes, you like superstar players and everything, but when it comes like, I'm not going to play for the team, everybody becomes very, fans become very team friendly. It's like when you hold out, like, well, he's my favorite player, and then he's not out there. It's not a hard sell from the person who manages the social account or otherwise to sort of be like, man, he stinks. He's holding us back. Right. And the fans kind of rally against, uh, against these players. I'm, but I'm kind of on that side with JJ Raddick. Like I, I want to get traded closer to my family. And then the, the new Orleans doesn't reward him with that. And now he's like, see, that was, that was bad on them. Like, I don't, is that owed to you really to demand the trade and then, and they owe it to you to give anyway, continue with your point. I'm sorry. Well, just that, that, the way NBA championships are won now is via text message. This is insane. Like, I don't know. Like it's a, I don't know. And then of course, I mean, the only silver lining is that nobody still, nobody wants to play for the Knicks. Like that's shocking to me. Like the whole point is there are a handful of cities that people want to live and play in. And one of them is definitely New York. And it's like, yeah, but not you. Not you. We no. We text a lot about it, and and everyone ends the text chain with, but obviously not the Knicks, the Nets, the Nets are the kings of New York. It's insane. It uh, really is. That's a. It, it's an interesting point where they're concerned, and it's back to what I said uh, before with Russell Wilson. Makes sense to the Jets on some level, I guess, if he wants out of Seattle and everything else, and. Uh, and Sal said, yeah, he went, but he doesn't want to go to the Jets. You really got to stink to for, for people to be like, yeah, Manhattan, great, but but not not that Manhattan. You really have to look in the mirror. Hey, Woody Johnson. I mean, th this is what you've wrought. You're you're in Manhattan, the most desirable market to be in in the world, and no one wants to come play for you. That's bad. So anyway, yes. I've been mesmerized by this Flyers free fall because a yes. month ago, a month ago, we were like, Who's going to be the odd team out in the mass mutual? Like one of these teams has to not make the playoffs, you know, and it's like, and then the ice just cracked under the flyers and, you know, you were, you were pinning a lot of it on poor, poor Carter Hart, uh, who I guess has maybe been institutionalized. I don't know, like what, where his brain just broke and he can't, he can't, he's like Mackie Sasser trying to throw the ball back to the mound. Like he cannot stop a vulcanized rubber puck that is on goal. It's in. But so I'm just going to pick on Travis Sanheim because, because he's the, he's the guy who's happened to be on the ice every time Carter Hart lets in another softy through 18 games this season, Travis Sanheim was plus five. 
So that's a solid blue liner. You know, you're scoring more goals when he's on the ice that than you're giving up. In the last 16 games, he's minus 19. <laughs> like, project that out over a season. You're looking at a minus 100. Like, it's un... He... This guy's every shift ends with him lowering his head and trudging back to the bench after after the puck goes in the net. So I, I, it's really there was no like what happened. They were they were kicking ass. They were you were terrified of getting the Flyers in the first round, and now it's like oh don't worry about it. The Rangers are going to blow by them. Uh, Devils are going to be hot on their heels. Like that that the Flyers are just a, a sudden mess. It's a, it's true, and it's sort of I'm trying to think of the cross sport analogy for it. But the must have in the NHL is a puck possessing, offensively inclined blue liner. And you know, really, if you look around the league with most of the successful teams, and certainly in the East, everybody has their John Carlson, or at least they seek their John Carlson. And the thing with the Penguins is, you know. It, it really is remarkable. You talk about the some not equaling the parts on one side of the state of Pennsylvania on the other side. I mean, you dress 18 guys, uh, uh, skaters, along with your goaltenders. And um, the Penguins have been playing without one third of those skaters and they continue to win games. Now, I suspect if I had to put money on it, Mike Sullivan and the Penguins do not succeed over recent history up in uh, up in Boston. So if I had to pick, if I were going to make a bet on the Bruins and the Penguins, I probably would look at the money line for the home team. But I'm not going I wouldn't do that because I'm a man of integrity who might not root actively for teams in uh, from Pittsburgh. If they stink, not go out of my way to root for them, but I'm also not going to put money on it. That's where but you and it is I kind, it is kind not of right nuts to do. when you look at the miles on the tires and the ages on the birth certificates, when you go, oh, Crosby and Ovechkin are still the two best players in the mass mutual. It's it's kind of nuts. It's funny you say that because I've been, I, you know, I've been watching so much and, and and it's also true. It's funny that you would say that because. Yes, absolutely true. And Crosby is kind of, you know, he's kind of working his way into legitimately the MVP, the Hart Trophy conversation now. And I would also say Chris Letang on the blue line has worked his way into the Norris Trophy conversation. And the NHL is at a place now where you have so many guys, so many good skaters back on the blue line that the game has really changed dramatically. But Specifically with the Penguins, they throw Latang and, and Brian Dumoulin out there, and then they they throw uh, John Marino out there. Um, those those three, if they consume forty five minutes of uh, of um, of game action, that's a, a, a sizable advantage. So the head scratcher of how are the Penguins doing this with so many, uh, you know high pedigree goal scores and no Gino Malkin and otherwise it's the blue line. Look at the blue line. I think the flyers struggle at the blue line. That's what explains their issues. And it's why the penguins have been doing well, you know, completely randomly though, Hench, I know we, I want to, I do want to talk to you about our updated idea for a 21st century replacement for all these halls of fame. I want to get into that, but I do want to say, I don't know if you belong in the hall of fame, but kudos to you, Hench, because we were kibitzing, uh, shout out to you that uh, last man standing, Tim Allen, your show. Um, it deserves a shout out, even in the age of COVID, because you don't get the proper celebration. This is a great run that you have been on and muzzle tough to you for it. 
And just completely randomly, I know we're focusing on the Northeast and everything else, but I say Northeastern kid makes good, comes out 25 years ago out to rugged L.A. to try to make, make his way in showbiz. And so you have several times over on Fox Sports and otherwise. But I, I do think it's worth saying to everybody listening to us on the uh, up in the Northeast. Nobody's listening. We've talked about hockey so much. I know. I know. I think we can safely assume no one's listening. Okay, cut that part out then, Eddie Spaghetti. (laughs) You're right. But I think it's (laughs) I think that there is a weird desire. I I I I think I always say vapid cynicism is um a trait of uh, collectively of our society in the 21st century. And I also think that broadcasters um and now fans have learned this sort of uh, like gravitas through cynicism. If you just declare bad is about to happen, then it's like, see, I told you that that was going to happen. And I think in some weird way, it's easy to impugn sitcoms. And I'm not doing that with Last Man Standing. But I think people say like, that's not for, I don't know, it's down the middle. I I always, and Spaghetti and I have talked about this, Um once upon a time in Hollywood to me is all about core competency. Yes. We're all maybe not everybody is a flake who comes out to LA um, to try to make it. But I think with the people who do it's, it's the, the assumption that I'm going to move to LA because then I can have a life of whimsy instead of, instead of doing actual work. The, the, um, the, the thing that's funny that ends up happening, you work much more than you would in a conventional <laughs> job. So but, true. I think that that the point, unless I miss the point of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is like I say, it's like, yeah, you can be flaky. You can uh, take little uh, tugs on whiskey when you're in your trailer and everything else. But if you show up and do the gig, that's everything because very few people can do it. So shout out to you, Hedge. And, well, and thanks, Sheck. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, that's a very, very good analogy. The, uh, I, I think like a lot of, uh, underachieving sports fan kids who, you know, didn't do very well in school. You know, I, early on, I lived in this crazy terror that there was this thing called a nine to five job. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, all of life has to be based on not working a nine to five job, not nine. You know, it's the, it's the Lloyd Christmas, Jim Carrey joke and dumb and dumber 40 hours a week. Oh my God. Like, so it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to position yourself to not, to not live this death of nine to five. And then, you know, I'll be at the office at, at 10 PM going, this is fucking way worse than nine to five. What happened? This was all by design to not work nine to five. And then you're turning in your rewrite at midnight. Oh, great. I'm working nine to midnight. Mm-hmm. Well done, you know, but uh, so you're so right that, that it it is a great life and it's a hard life, but like, uh, anyone who's who's coming to to sunny SoCal because they think it's gonna be easy and non-competitive, oh my God, you're gonna get hit by a fucking two by four. When you realize how talented people are, you're like, oh my God. I mean, I when I stumbled out here with my crappy screenplay, ready to take the world by the storm, um, you know, I was I I'm everyone I know I met through basketball, like you know, just playing pickup basketball, and then it, they're like, hey. Uh, that, that guy with the great jumper, he's a standup. You should go see his show. And so I'm like, oh, that's cool. Bean Miller is a really nice guy. I'll, I'll go support him. And it, and his shows on Hollywood Boulevard. It's a, it was a place called the diamond club, Hollywood La Brea. And I go in 
And I'm, I mean, I'm right off the turnip truck. I'm fresh off the turnip truck. And I'm like, okay. Um, oh my God, these two guys with the guitars, they're, they're so funny. Like, oh, they're, and they can sing and they can play guitar and they're so funny. Who are these guys? That's Tenacious D. That's Tenacious D. It's like, it's a fucking open mic. You know, it's like, that's Tenacious D. (laughs) Who's this Jack Black? My God, is this the league? Is this what I just signed up for? I'm going to be competing with Jack Black for gigs. Oh my Christ. Oh my God! Uh, I told I, I told you that was my experience. Maybe not uh, as big a names as uh, Tenacious D, but I I go into work one day, my first day. I'm I'm over the moon and I'm and I'm imbued with a confidence. Oh, to like wow, it's a cable sports trivia show. How how, how talented or how funny are the people going to be in this room? I'm going to dominate that room comedically at least. And it's you, it's Sal, it's Josh Gardner, who's funnier than all of us. And uh, I just like. This is a sports cable show. <laughs> I'm going home. No, it's I have like, no chance. Yeah. I've peaked. This is as close as I'm ever. I'm completely out of my depth in a sports cable trivia showroom. I'm, I have no chance out here. Um, by the no, way, shout like out. if we tried, if we tried to play a ball, like if we showed up to play a ball, which is, I guess, what a basic cable sports trivia show is out here, a ball, you'd be like, oh, they throw 95 in a ball. That, that like the- they well, that's why I argue with that. Maybe that will be my comeuppance because I insist that if you give me four plays from the hash to the sideline on the football field at the 10 yard line, four cracks at it, NFL wide receiver, NFL DB covering him, I can throw a touchdown pass to the uh, to the wide receiver. People, Sal wants to, to, to talk about aforementioned cynicism. He uh he, he doesn't believe I can do it. I will do it. And maybe I'll be proven wrong, like Michael Jordan taking hacks up at uh, uh, up in the bigs. But shout out to Christian Anderson, our mutual pal, who dropped me a line. One of the many. People keep hitting me up to say that they really like uh, the three of us kibitzing together here and uh, our old pal from UCLA. Now, I don't get. I do think it is in Northeast versus West Coast. I think it's overstated. SoCal fans don't care about sports in the same way that we do in the Northeast and all of that. I do think it's a little weird that this guy, Christian Anderson, who was the long snapper for the UCLA Bruins, Brian Scalabrini, uh, who is on the broadcast with the Celtics now, but went to USC, that Jeff Schwartz, who uh, is from L.A., but went to Oregon. They all are rooting for the Pac-12. What kind of hokum is this, right? This is this is philosophically wrong. It, how, how say you, Hedge? You think I root for the Yankees in the playoffs? Uh, and then they go, well, no, it's not pro. It's a, at, the, at the pro level, it's it's wrong. But what, I mean, are we? Is that that would never happen? I would never. There is no circumstance. I'd be like, hey, root for the Nittany Lions. I'm gl- hey, if it couldn't be Pitt, it's good for the region. Like who? What? A UCLA fan should hate USC every bit as much as I hate the Yankees, right? Uh, <laughs> what is they- of course. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Um, and but that's a good you- segue to. I don't know if we're. I don't know if we're ever going to talk about anything. Spaghetti sends on the rundown. I don't know. Yeah, what do you want to talk about, Hench? I don't know why I prepare. Keep it going. No, don't forget the rundown. Throw it out. Keep but, it going. Uh, you know, because you know they're like it's college. It's amateurs. Like it's like this. This Supreme Court case, like this, the, uh, the NCAA being forced to defend their free labor. It's kind of fun. It's like, yeah, uh, what this 18 year old has something that's worth millions of dollars, his ability to play this sport. 
there's definitely a booster out there who would just write a seven figure check to this kid to come play at this school. And you're like, no can do kid has to play for free, you know? And they're like, you know, if we let this happen, next thing, you know, they're going to be paying these kids $5,000 a year. Wow. (laughs) What the fuck? The, The earth would come apart at the seams if you didn't pay them zero, like what, you know, and it's like, and the, and the problem is, you know, with the free market, it's like an 18 year old football player can't, you know, at least the NBA start, you know, you can play in Europe, the developmental league, you know, you, you, but the NFL, like how else are you going to become a professional football player except letting a college bash your brains in for free for years, like it's so insane uh, what they extract from these kids in exchange for that that quality education they're getting. A lot of good it's going to do them because their brain's been broken by the free bashing you're subjecting them to. So it's like, but the way I look at it, it's like, remember when we were growing up and Al Michaels had to be like, that is overwhelming. You know, that, you know, I can't say that that game just went over with the field goal because we can't talk about gambling because then the next thing you know, every game is fixed. And we're like, everybody bets on football. Nobody gives a shit. Why aren't we? And now, of course, it's, you know, bad beats and everybody knows the spread and it's fun. And I do feel like we're going to get to a point where college athletes are properly compensated for the amount of revenue they're generating. And we'll look back and go, wait a minute. These guys had to play for nothing for how many, like, how did we, how did we do this? You know, and we'll look at it properly as a, a crazy abuse, um, which it is like, it's insane. Because I mean, it's fairly obvious that this is the case. And yet uh, people don't seem to acknowledge it very much, which is that the people controlling the message and the way we kind of react to it passively as the receivers of this news these are the coaches and the athletic directors and the networks and the overall programs and the conferences who are incented to maintain the status quo. So I think that a lot of the opinions that we get, it, it's a larger conversation that I, I I really can't think of anybody better to have that conversation with than that. Again, like the, the, the bias of like, we cannot disrupt what we have going because it's a cash cow and then that that message trickles down to to the average sports fan. And then we defend a, a high percentage of the people want to maintain that. And then there's also a weird semi subtle axe to grind with like, why are these guys, these 24 year olds, multimillionaires for putting a ball through the hoop kind of logic and what that implies, what what's ultimately maybe behind all that and the resentment of a 19 year old getting a free ride at college. Like he can't be thankful for what we're giving to him. Um, that whole thing well, is, is fascinating, but I, you know, I, uh, go ahead. Well, I just, I, what I, I mean, I want somebody look, obviously your points are very well taken, which is like, you know, I don't know what Kirby smart makes a year, but I'm sure it's a staggering amount of money to coach football at Georgia. But like, I'd like a couple of hot, a blue chip recruits to go, um, oh, I, I can't play in the state of Georgia. You guys don't want black people to vote. So obviously I can't come enrich you. I can't come put my body to work for fucking free for the University of Georgia. So all the crazy right wing Republicans 
can have more money and more power at the expense of my body so you can pass laws where black people can't vote. Like, I mean, what? I mean, I'm glad Tony Clark's saying like, yeah, we're not going to, we, I don't know if we can play the baseball all-star game in Georgia. Like your, your horrible, terrible right-wing segregationist Jim Crow assholes who just want to, Hey man, we just want to take all the money. We just want to have all the money and uh, we just want you to do the work. Hey, that sounds familiar. That's, you know, so I, I just, I mean, I want these kids to be empowered to look around the country and go, hey, if if I'm going to be abused and exploited, um, I should have a, I, I should have, I should be a little more discerning about where I choose to have that exploitation take place. And I certainly wouldn't have it be in fucking Georgia uh, if this is the way their state legislature wants to operate, there need to be repercussions. And I wouldn't I wouldn't film a fucking movie in Georgia. I wouldn't play a baseball game in Georgia. It's like it's insane um, that that and maybe we're getting to the death rattle. Maybe this this long, long history of exploitation of these of these kids can can finally meet a reckoning point. But it it is nuts when you look at what these coaches make and what these ADs make. And uh, and all the you know, all the people that get to take all the money at the casino, uh, because guess what? When the labor's free, there's a lot of money left over for these coaches. That's exactly right. And but but I am concerned, though, if you start paying these kids too much money, then they may not work. You know, that's 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 the thing. If you if you start giving them money like that, then what's their incentive to go out and and, and get a job on the professional level? Um, right, I'm, being, I'm point, being ironic, to but no, the, no, right, to, to put that to point, it's like I just saw who was it? Tyler Lockett. Was it Tyler Lockett. Yes. Just got, you know, it's like, you know, it's market value. He just, you know, he's he's excellent. And he just got uh, 62 million, I think. But like 37 million was guaranteed. And I and I thought about that and I was like, if if I get 37 million guaranteed, do you know how heavy I'm going to be in training camp? Do you know? I mean, they're going to be like, who's the new nose guard? Oh, that's Tyler Lockett. What? Yeah, we guaranteed him 37 million dollars. Like I'm fucking that's it for the workouts. So I, I look at it the other way. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how competitive these guys are with each other. Even even when you say you are set for life, you are set for lifetimes, you are set for generations. They show up ripped because they want to beat the corner who's also got a big offseason deal. Like it's so it's amazing to me how hard these guys are willing to work to win, to be better than the other guy. The the uh, the Hainsworth Think situations are rare, right? It is or, weird like, that that doesn't happen. Stanley Roberts kind of is that, but yes, I guess it's that's so the, rare that you give a guy a hundred million dollars and he's like, wow, it is eating time. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know professional with, pride. What do that with most of us? Like, they're like, Hey, uh, hench, uh, we're, we're waiting on that script. Where's that rewrite? I'm like, well, the hundred million is guaranteed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we kind of wanted you to give us, you know, some scripts. Yeah, I. I yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm having I'm shooting hoops. I'm having fun. So uh, that money's guaranteed. OK, good. Oh, I, I I'm amazed Jesus. at how hard I- why we don't hold him up. It's is this is what I am see. We're fans. And then we don't want to hear that 
re- there really are a lot of similarities in the sell job that the people who are telling us how to feel about, like, if you start paying these college kids, it's going to disrupt what you know. So you should be scared of the unknown future because it's really going to shake your life up. And we sports fans abide by our annual schedule and our love for March Madness and then the start of baseball and the NBA finals and then football starts. And so any disruption of that, we're incented to to balk at. And so the sell job of like, if you start letting NBA players negotiate with each other and putting their team together, isn't it remarkable that 12 years later that uh, society hasn't crumbled uh, uh, crumbled yet. Well, I mean that, but it is that it is the creation of like, hey, college basketball fans, we better put this in place. Where the one one year in college, and it's kind of corrupted the quality of well, play. The irony in college is basketball. If, you, if the irony is if if you like college basketball the way we grew up with it, like what your system that the existing system is fucking up college basketball. If these guys could be compensated, then they stay three or four years at Duke. Like if they're making market value, then being a student athlete is not, is not a terrible idea. The one and done is a byproduct of you can't make any money. So if you want to save college basketball and actually have these matchups where guys play in the big conferences against each other for years, like there's actual rivalries at Duke and North Carolina because the guys are making 400 grand a year or whatever their market value is. Um, that would be good for college basketball. I mean, it's, it's a crazy any argument that's like, hey, careful what you wish for if we pay the people doing all the work. Careful. I, like they, by the way, it happens. It happens in real life, right? Where it's like, "Hey, man, you want a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage? Just watch what happens to that to, to that talk, those tacos. Yes, you're going to get bankrupt. You're going to have to take out a second mortgage for a, for a burger if we pay these people a living wage. You're like, we'll risk it. You know what? Let's risk it. Let's see what happens if you pay someone a fucking living wage in America. Wow. I mean. I think there is a the intersection on the Venn diagram. It's really a funny chicken or egg kind of thing of like, pardon the interruption is uh, is a fun show. It's always been a fun show. The the, the lack of uh, of uh, how informed they are on some subjects can be vexing. If you tune in, sometimes that some of the references are a little dated or or just flat out inaccurate at this point. But um this the notion of like every conversation dated, dated references dated references is not something i'm ever going to hammer somebody for i guess yes i guess i should <laughs> I, I retracted i i would never do that myself anybody i would never do that even though i just mentioned quado and total recall um on with, with sal just last night anyway um yes the the idea of of reducing and most debates are binary and certainly in sports, you know, is that team going to win or is that one going to you can basically reduce everything to that 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 level. But I wonder, did that I really I, I, this did that in uh, not the intentionally, obviously, but the bones of like a sports show, it kind of looks like a newscast. Is that what led to? 
other newscasts, we properly, people of a certain age in our society, turn on the news. And we grew up watching ABC, NBC, or CBS, and it boiled down to, do you like Rather or Jennings or Brokaw? And that's who you tuned into. um, And that was your news. Now, similar to that that convention of like two guys sitting next to each other and, and chopping up the, the daily sports news and what it all means. There's some news nominally news networks that have the artifice of like, well, this is a, uh, what you're used to. This is the news, but they are not saying things that they in fact believe in the same way that Kornheiser and Wilbon accept the position for the sake of the two minute debate that they're having of like, I don't believe this, but I'm going to argue it for the, because that's the way our show is set up. Did that grease the skids to accept that the person talking to you, people of a certain age just assume like, but he's, it's the news and he's saying it. So it's the news. That's a fact. I wonder if that has then crept into our brain to the degree that this like the sports hot takers, the Skip Baylesses of the world who just say stuff that you know they don't believe. They, 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 you know that Skip Bayless does not think LeBron James is wildly overrated. He just, there's, there's no way that you could walk the planet Earth and be watching basketball games re- regularly and come to the conclusion like, yeah, LeBron's not that good. But he it works for him. And it's and it's basically a lie to get attention. I wonder what that wonder chicken or the egg. Is it cable news that begat the the sports hot takers or was it vice versa? Um, I want to if this was a question, if that seven page question, I'm just rambling. I realize like if I was in a it was a college midterm and I was just finishing the question, I'd be like, okay. I'm going to fill in this blue book with a book. Just write yes or no, and then just turn it in. You could have 50 but I have no idea what the question was, but this was college for me. I had no idea what the question was in college (laughs) either. So I'm just like, I'd start writing about like, uh, well, uh, Mr. Bayless uh, is a jackass, obviously. And uh, thank goodness for the blue book era, because uh, like the, yeah. the, the the hundred what's it what is well, it like the hundred level classes that you have to take with like two hundred other kids, those were bad because there's no jive in your way around A, B, C, or D. Like you fill in the circle right, and yeah, it's the exactly. right one or not. Like there's no the there's no book, jive in that. But the blue book, that's where Damashek did his work. Yeah, that's how Damashek could graduate. Fill that whole sucker, and they got to give you a C plus. Duality a man, just work in duality a man. No, 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 no professor. The guy filled the whole blue book. It's gibberish, but I'll give him a C plus. Um, but, but the, the, the clickbait of society, right? It's, it's, it's like, okay. Um, you know, if you, if you look, go to the analytics and you look at LeBron James contributions on the court, like there's no, by the way, there's no real debate about anyone anymore because you could just have the quant come on and tell you exactly how valuable any player is. And so obviously LeBron's chart would be like, this is the most valuable basketball player who's ever walked the earth. Like there's no arguing it. Um, that gets zero clicks. No, who can you know, who wants to see the statistical breakdown of how dominant LeBron James is. Whereas if you have a lunatic, a highly compensated lunatic, like Skip Bayless go overrated overrated wait what you, did he say yeah it's like what this is insane you know so so I, I mean it but it is and i don't know if the chicken and the egg of it all where the pollution started but i did uh 
you know, obviously I'm a, I'm too old a man to know who these these Brokaw and Rather guys you're talking about. Mm. I'm a Cronkite guy. You're a, a Cronkite, Cronkite guy. guy. Yeah. But, you know, I during Watergate, uh, look it up, Spaghetti. Um, <laughs> so Cronkite says, I think this Watergate thing might be a thing. And then because people used to get their news from a reliable source who didn't really have an ax to grind, you know, he's like, Let's uh, let's take a second look at this Watergate thing. And I mean, he did the same thing for Vietnam where people were like, oh, I don't know. Walter Cronkite said it. And so now, unfortunately, in the clickbait universe, everybody just wants to go to the spot where their click will yield the confirmation bias that they want. So it's like whatever you want to hear, there's someone there, you know, singing your song. And, you know, and unfortunately that the. the the marketplace has become so stratified that no nobody can go, oh, this one's serious. Like we mean it, you know, like so I do. But I do think the gateway, I think the gateway drug is not social media. It is traditional media. I think people see, like I say, they there it used to be Cronkite and then it was Brokaw. And now it's blank, but they have that same format with the with the bubble floating up the square over their shoulder telling you the news and they're weighing in on it. And then you double down like, well, he said that and it's on the news and it's the news. So obviously it's true. And if I want to confirm this or learn more about that, that's when it really gets exponentially worse when you go online. Like, look, I can find stuff online that confirms that this is true. That's when do your research. Oh, Christ. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, I, I, we, we went way off. We went way off. Real quick. Real quick. I don't know. You brought it up. I'm going to answer it. So uh, this reminds me, after uh, Sports Geniuses, I worked uh, with Jim Rome on his right. Fox Sports show. And so we would, the whole idea of the show, which obviously, as I think, you know, as you think about sports radio, uh, the, 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 hot take, hot take, hot take. So we would be having two, you had to have two people come on to talk about any quotidian sports subject and they had to disagree wildly. You know, it had to be hot. It had to be hot. And so you would have to pre-interview people to make sure they they had the the opposite take. You know, like, and, oh, it's going to be fire. And then Rome is going to, you know, zing, 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 and it's going to be hot. And they, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'll throw this out as the example. Um, because I think it was something as lame as like the DH in the National League and like, should the National League have the DH? And so I think it was Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda was coming on as the traditionalist uh, to go, you know, baseball will be ruined if pitchers can't bunt with one out. And uh, <laughs> the worst play in baseball. Guy on first, one out, move him over, move him over. That You're such a shitty hitter. That two outs, a runner on second, is a better chance of us scoring than you swinging away with one out. Anyway, so we get out. Like, we're ready, man. We're ready. Like, Lasorda, you know, he's going to fly off the handle. This is hypothetical. I don't know if this was the actual example. But, like, so then Rome throws out the red meat, the red meat, American League, National League, designated hitter, go. And Lasorda was like, that might be fun. Might be fun to have the DH name. I was like, wait, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. You're the other side. Like, we're in the control room. You know, the producers are in the control room going like, oh, this is going to be hot. Wait till Tommy lets this guy have it. Go, Lasorda. Go. Hey, you know, it could be hot. Maybe I maybe score. I just interviewed you yesterday. 
I just, what happened? What happened? <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, I really, I, I feel like we could do, uh, we could do two hours on that subject alone. I really am. I, uh, that the whole chicken or the egg kind of thing. We didn't even get to do the 21st century hall of all the replacement for all the, the, I want all the halls of fame moved up to Mount Pius and let them live up there. And then they can figure out why Pete Rose can't get in, but Ty Cobb is allowed in and, 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 and any number of other examples we could throw out. We have to forge a better, um, Hall I, think of fame, agree that that. The, I think we can all agree that the Georgia peach would still be allowed to vote in Georgia. That's the kind of voter. Ty Cobb's the kind of <laughs> voter they really want to encourage to vote in Georgia. I'm glad you mentioned peach because that's the last thing I wanted to bring up. I don't know who this Eddie Spaghetti character is, but he took the social media. I'm, I don't know. What, are you feeling it lately or something? Because you do spaghetti and meatballs, very entertaining hockey segment every week focused on the East Division. Hench has to go to Monterey. His, his daughter's crying in anticipation of the trip already. Spaghetti. <laughs> but quickly, who are you to take the social media and declare, especially in late March? In late March. You understand my net last name is Damashek. And that's that's part of that. The, the Shecky Awards yeah. are a reference to my surname. Yeah, you're the and I chain. give out the Shecky Awards for all important subject matter, like fruit of the year. In fact, that's the granddaddy of all fruit uh, of all the Shecky Awards is the fruit of the year. And you take the social media to the de- decree. Stop it. Stop everything. Fruit of the year has been decided now. Yes. Mango. I mean, on on many levels, this vexes me. First of all, the choice of mango, but secondary. I mean, who the hell do you think you are? You don't announce fruit of the year. Go do the yeah. blockbuster awards. Okay, this is the equivalent of winning the of going to the final four of the NIT for the mango. No one cares about your announcements in in late March about fruit of the year. Mango, go ahead, spaghetti. I don't. I don't tweet much anymore. Trying to stay off social media. So when I tweet, everyone better pay attention. And I think the last few years, your fruit choices have been rather boring. You know, handsome Hank, who chimed in as well. It's just too many apples. I don't care. Apples are your generic basic fruit. Like he said, it's the vanilla ice cream of of fruits. So there was a an uh, Englishman um, weighing in on fresh <laughs> produce. Talk about well, ironic. What, what's he know? What What do they know in the UK? They haven't had a fresh piece of fruit. Uh, I don't know if ever. My my girlfriend went to the valley and she was getting her nails done and somehow ended up the per, the the woman working at the place the salon gave her a mango and she left it on the counter for a few days it was pretty ripe and I finally was like I'll try it how was who's eating it fruit in the age of COVID at a it nail looked, shop what it has a it has a it has like a covered a skin okay. to it. All right, so I finally succumbed to me staring at this, you know, mango for days on end. I was like, I'll finally, I like mangoes. And I got out the tahini, the, the, the season, and got out the lime juice, lemon juice to, to put it on, do my typical thing. But it looked different than regular mangoes. So I cut it open a little, it was nice and soft. And I bit into it just to try it before I, I diced it up more. And it was the best tasting fruit I've ever had in my entire life. Nothing ever comes close to it. The the sweetness, the texture. I just slid off the skin. I ate the whole thing plain with the like off the pit. And I'll never have a mango. It's not a champagne mango ever again. And I I may just stop eating other fruits because it was that good. So that's it. That's the 2021 winner for the year. Period. Stop. Okay, spaghetti. Uh, that's delightful. When when somebody has uh, has declared um, that this is their thing. And that thing is as fucking lame as fruit of the year. 
Yeah. Go ahead and let him have that. Like, yes. you don't, what Shaq is basically saying is like, spaghetti, syphilis okay. is my thing. Syphilis is my thing. Don't get syphilis. You're robbing from my thing. Like, no one gives a flying fuck about fruit of the year or Shaq's fruit opinions. So don't, this is not an area you want to encroach on with your, your with your fancy mango. I agree. Let, let Shaq have the lesions the postules of his shitty fucking idea and, 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 and let him have it. I don't know why you have to encroach on his inane corner of the sports universe. I don't even, I don't even know. But anyway, I agree with Shaq. What I'm saying is I agree with Shaq. How dare you encroach on fruit of the year? Right. I, I've been involved with it since like 2016. I'm just trying to give a nice suggestion and I feel like it, you know, add a little flair to it this year. The, the, the champagne mango is not playing games. I'm telling you, it's, it's, right. it's a real contender. You're both pustules. Um, I, I have half a mind to ban you both from listening to the show or even speaking on it. You, you very well may get a major penalty spaghetti and not be allowed to speak for an entire episode. Hench, I kind of need him to speak at some point. Um, my feelings are hurt. And now I'm banishing Hench to Monterey. You go get in the car. I sentence you to seven hours okay. in the car with uh, your two daughters and wife. We're taking some, we're taking some blackberries. Word of the year. No, you're not allowed to talk about fruit. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. That's your best. Never mention fruit again. That's joke. Oh my God. That bit. I can't do that. Close. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not a bit. That's it's your not a bit. Nothing. Oh my God. It's his closer at Madison Garden. Fruit of the year. Are, they, are the Oscar the awards? Are they, is that a bit? That's somebody who decided that they're going to tell you what the best movie is. Damashek filled the void. I, nobody was naming fruit of the year or donut of the year, or the best residual cereal milk or best alphabet letter. And that's so Damashek jumped in and, and, and took care of business. I would, I, 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 I'll thank you to thank me, not to disparage me. And now what we see once again is look what he's done. What did I say about uh, gravitas through cynicism? Kevin Hench, that is your name. Go, go to Monterey, be gone, right. eat mangoes. I don't give a Happily. good goddamn what you do. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks Happy for we nothing. Get- Real quick, let's talk about what FanDuel has going on as we're now down to just these final four teams going into the weekend in college basketball. If you've been watching from the sideline, now is the chance to get in on the action. And in fact, like I say, your time is just about running out. We only have three games left after all. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking you up with if you if you need a reason to jump in. I, I can't imagine you could do better than this exclusive 40 to one odds on all four teams left in the bracket. Even the favorites. Yes. New users get 40 to one odds on any team to win this upcoming round. You can win $200 on a $5 bet. Who do you like in the final four? All right. Listen, I, I make no bones about the fact that I believe in merit and I think Baylor and Gonzaga are the two best teams. And so I'm very excited that we are heading towards hopefully those two teams hooking up. If you like one of the two dogs, go that way too. jump in on this one way or the other. FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook app is uh, is a deli- is delightful to use. Obviously, I use it on a daily basis. Just make sure you use the promo code. 
minus three, the word minus the number three, so that you know that me and Hench and Spaghetti and company sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook and the promo code minus three. Get on, get in on this one before college basketball's gone. I, I couldn't say another word, and uh, thank goodness. What do you think of that, Spaghetti? What do you think of that conversation? That was hurtful. That was a uh, yeah, that, that was a whirlwind of an episode. That was uh, he he agreed with you by somehow decimating you. So that was uh, rather strange. Did you like the episode overall? Oh, I did. I mean, you're not going to find a podcast on the planet that that dives into what we we do with the the nuance that we do. So I am that was another great one. It's, uh, the Thursday mornings are legendary. All right, you know what. We got to put a cherry on top of them, sweeten things up a little bit after that bitter herb named Hench. Um, let's uh, let's get to the Italian feast, focusing on the Eastern Division. It's time for spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> All right, we're back for another spaghetti and meatballs. And meatballs, I gotta say, I was excited for this one because I'll, I'll post a picture as usual. And I, my Rangers, Lady Liberty, Alexi uh, Lafreniere uh, jersey came in time, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to go toe to toe with him. And then you come and show up with the Kenny Powers baseball jersey for MLB opening day, which we're both excited for. So I'm losing out. I mean, the Myrtle Beach Merman. So another L for me, you're still winning the the jersey chart. How did you even go about finding that one? I don't know. My brother found it. So I don't know. I know they have uh, one of the Merman one and there's a Churros one too. I think. Yeah. 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 Man, I, 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 do, I do not stack up well against the Sicola family with the, the the sweaters or jerseys here. But we should talk some hockey, right? So let's get into our third star of the week. We're going to start off here with the Philadelphia Flyers. So we talked a bit about on the minus three pod. They were the first team to give up a victory to the Sabres, which we'll get to momentarily. But, man, oh, man, the Flyers, they're in the fifth spot. People thought they would be maybe a lock for the playoffs. People thought Carter Hart would be at least top two or three for, for Vesna and a lot of good young talent. Uh, obviously the Claude Drew there as well. I've liked the Flyers roster. I said weeks ago, I like the mix of the young talent, the mix of the veterans they have there. Their defensive uh, group should have been really good. Obviously, despite only Vigneault not being a really defensive minded coach and literally all those things I just said, none of them have come true. So uh, it's a huge mess right now. Not as big of a mess as the Sabres, but it is not, it must not be fun to be a member of the Philadelphia Flyers or in that locker room right now. Yeah, definitely not. I don't even know. They're just, I, there were some pictures on Twitter that I can tweet out uh, of the Flyers playing defense. And the Sabres just had some great looks. Like there's no, yeah. there's no help for Elliot or Hart or, um, I think it's Lang, right? Who is mm-hmm. who came in yesterday? Who hasn't seen action in like over a year? So, I mean, at some point the goalies have to make saves, but you just can't you can't put it all in the goalies because you're not playing defense. So, yeah. if, you, and, if you have a five on zero chance every time, it's it's kind of worthless. Without a doubt, I mean, it's one thing. It's weird too when you're. Um, you know, when you when you're a fan of a team with a really good goalie, you get used to just saves being made. But really, and and they always say, you know, you build teams from the pipes up in hockey. But what it comes down to is, if your forwards, first of all, if your forwards are playing defense, that helps your goalie. And number mm-hmm. two, and, and more importantly, number one is if the, your defensemen are locked down, shut down defensemen, they do their job. Your goal, they're going to force you know the skaters to the outside. The, the goalie is going to stop easy shots. 
And yeah. that's 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 a real big problem with this Flyers team is that Vigneault, you know, AV doesn't preach defense and you have guys who you thought would be great. But even when you look at their forwards, I mean, like Nolan Patrick's a minus 20. And then you have like Hench talked a bunch about Sanheim in the podcast. He's minus 15. Yeah. Oscar Lindholm is minus nine. Vortex's a minus seven. You can't have guys like that playing like that with how shaky Carter Hart's been. And uh, I know they've been putting Elliot in there as well. The ghost, Shane Ghostaspear, they put on waivers. He cleared waivers, but he was a guy that, you know, a couple seasons back, everyone's going, wow, they got this yeah. really good, you know, kid out of union. I, m- I remember watching him play in college. I'm not sure if he was, he was up for Hobie Baker. I'm not sure if he won it, but he, and he was great. He's a phenomenal player. And it's like, wow, they found another college gem and you know, he fell apart. It's just like, they have like Murphy's law. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong for the flyers right now. I'm not sure what the fix is. I mean, the trading deadline is creeping up. Maybe they make a push, grab somebody to, to secure that four spot over the Bruins, but man, oh man, it is tough times right now in Philadelphia. Yeah. They, um, I, I don't think Patrick, Patrick and Limblom didn't even play yesterday. They were scratched. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, Hart is obviously on the taxi squad right now. He's, you know, figuring some stuff out. Um, I don't know if they, they lose a few more. I know they just signed the, the kid York to an entry-level contract. He'll probably get time in the AHL first, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're in sixth or, or fifth and they're not going to make it. You know, he see, starts seeing some playing time because he's uh, one of their highly touted prospects. It's it's one of those weird seasons where you just go, okay, well, do we just keep trying because of the the oddity of it, or do we pull the plug and say this is not our year? We're going to reboot and we're going to try for next year. It's it's very interesting, and it seems like this whole division, especially like I said with the trade deadline coming up, it's going to be a lot of that. Do we make the push? Do we add a player, or do we stand pat, or do we just fall back and say whatever? The Rangers are in that conversation. The the Flyers, obviously, the Bruins potentially as well. It's 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 going to be it's it's a hectic time. It's a strong division. And that's why it makes it even harder for the Flyers to figure out what their, their plans are for the future. But I did just mention the Rangers a bit, and we did talk about the Sabres. So let's move on to our second star of the week. They finally did it. 18 games. February 23rd was their last win. The Buffalo Sabres finally won a, a hockey game versus the, the lowly Flyers. And like you mentioned a bit, they were just – it had some really good looks. They kind of dominated them. They should have won the game a couple of days back. They lost in overtime, the Sabres. But they finally got that monkey off their back just in time for all their players to be traded by their GM, Kevin Adams. But it must feel good for those guys. I know people in the league were very happy posting about them finally getting the win. I mean, you could be a little more cheerful in the locker room. Ultimately – and I gave up my picks on minus three, fandom.com slash minus three. I don't buy that this is a turnaround thing for the Sabres. I think, in fact, it's going to only get it worse because, like I said, the players will be traded. And mm. you could still just, you know, if they're laying, they're getting the, pl- the, the the goal and a half, just, you know, take whatever the team is laying because it's just, they're not going to win games. But it is a, it's, it's great for them. I'm not sure how many more wins they will have the rest of the season. I don't think I'm... I mean, I'd be shocked if they had more than four or five wins, I think, in that range the rest of the way. But it's great for me to see the Flyers lose. I guess I'll just I'm happy for the Sabres because they are the Rangers schedule coming up. And after a big win, I'm excited for a huge letdown. Yeah, Uh, I'd be interested to see how the Sabres do against like in another division, like to play a team like the Senators or the Red Wings or, you know, the Ducks or whatever, because on paper, I mean, without Eichel, they're definitely not a playoff team, but they're right. still not like a terrible, terrible team. No, so we, we were both guilty of saying that, the, yeah. uh, you know, early on, like, hey, it's not a bad squad. They could potentially no. sneak in the back end. I think 
years from now, we'll we'll look back to this NHL season and go, oh crap, the 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 Mass Mutual East was not playing games. This was a really really good really yeah. good division. Yeah, that's we nice. probably should have mixed up some of the teams here because it was it, it was a it's a juggernaut of a division. So I, I totally agree with that point with with the Sabres in the division. Yeah, no, and I think uh, you know now now with the Rangers coming up too, they're gonna have uh, I don't know they're they're on the rise. We'll see. Are you how confident are you that they they you know, push into that fourth spot. Well, the issue is, and again, leading into our next topic, which will be trade scenarios. I am afraid of, of that. I don't think they're in Zern, a position right now to make moves because they're going to keep their, their kids at all costs. And mm-hmm. that hasn't paying dividends. I think the addition of Vitaly Kravtsov and they just traded Brendan Lemieux away for a yeah. pick that opens up a slot somewhere in the, the third or fourth line. They'll probably keep the third line, like the kid line with all the, the younger players. And they could just, you know, what's what's really funny about that is like if you are slacking behind, if it's a guy like Blackwell or Rooney or Gaultier or or Giuseppe, if if you're not playing, it happened with Lemieux. If you're not playing up to what Quinn and, and company wants, it's like okay, cool. Well, their top prospect from two years back is not going to take your spot, and yeah. you probably won't ever see that ice time ever again because he was dominating in, in, for a tractor in the KHL, and he's finally living up to the hype that he had when the Rangers took him years back. So yeah, I mean, having to dangle Kraftsov uh, in front of this whole roster, it's like, hey, if you screw up, this guy's coming in. That's a great feeling. It's an awesome feeling. Uh, right. The other great feeling is uh, Igor Sturkin has been back. He's been playing really well, and it's easy to play really well, kind of like we were just saying, when your, de- your defense in front of you is playing great. Conjure Miller has been awesome. Um, Troop has looked a lot better than he has in the past. Lingren even has set this game up. Uh, a couple of bonehead mistakes here and there, but – Adam Fox is now yeah. skyrocketing up the Norris Trophy conversation. He's now, I believe, third on FanDuel. I mean, get really good odds on that. He's He has, like, it seems like every time you look at the stat sheet, it's like, oh, yeah, two assists. Every, every game, two assists. Yeah. And the goal he had the other night, just, like, dangling the whole entire Capitals team. It's just like, this guy is every conversation you see, it's like a Brian Leach, Brian Leach, Brian Leach. It's just, it's insane what he's already doing. So things are great. Now, do I think they're going to make the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, the game, the Bruins have a couple games on hand. I will say to wrap up this, our, our second star, when the Rangers have the Sabres and the Devils in the schedule, and they do have two more games versus the Bruins, that is a good sign, but, and they are playing well, but I am not ultra confident in them like sneaking up to the fourth spot. We did this a few weeks back. You asked me a couple of trading scenarios, but I want to flip this one around. I want you, I want you right now, tell, tell me who's your, the prospect in, for the Islanders or young player that you, by all means, do not want to give up. Who is that player? Well, Wallstrom. Or do you Dobson. have one? Oh, you think Wallstrom, they would move? I don't think they'd move Wallstrom now. No, 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 not now. Yeah. But like, that's like, don't even, like, don't even ask for those guys in a trade. Okay. Okay. They're not, okay. They're not going anywhere. Um, all right. All right. Reversely, are there guys that you like? Okay, now I would sell high on him. I would give him up for uh, for depending on who the player is. Is there someone in in, in the system? Yeah, uh, like a guy like Bellows. Okay, if you're trading for young talent, like if you were to maybe get a Forsberg or you know, uh, like I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd move Bellows for a Hall or. A, Paul Mary, I, that definitely wouldn't happen. I, don't so know. I was just going to ask. I was going to start with Paul Mary. He's an interesting one because he's thirty. He's in division. I guess Hall is too. But I, I have to remind myself that the Sabers are in division now. But <laughs> would you move? Would you move a decent Hall or for Paul Mary? Or and if not, like who would you give up for a guy like Paul Mary? Paul Mary. I mean, we have the two second round picks from Colorado. Um, 
and maybe I throw a defensive prospect their way. So like a guy like Bodie wild uh, or Robin Salo, maybe I know those are their, their higher uh, defensive prospects, but Paul Mary doesn't really intrigue me as I know he's kind of had a down year, but I don't know if he necessarily fills that, that honors least spot. So I don't know. Paul Mary is like my third tier, I guess, of guys that I'd want. I'd rather just have them almost stand pat and play. Hopefully like if Michael Dow Cole comes back healthy and he can maybe try to fill that least spot because Kamarov is not doing it. Okay. How about a guy like out of division, like Michael Granlin, another guy who's, uh, he's he's 29. He's uh, going to be a UFA upcoming. Would you would you make a move for a guy like that? No, Granlin. Same thing as Paul Merritt. I don't know. Granlin doesn't really move the needle for me either. I think. Is it Hall yeah. then for you? Is it is it, Hall, is it Taylor Hall? Hall would be well. The one guy I did find very interesting, and I know the Islanders have had scouts there, is Connor Garland for um, okay. the Coyotes. Okay. That name has been floating out there, and I think he is young. And if you look at his stats from when he played in the in the queue. They're kind of ridiculous, and I think he's starting to become, you know, more of an NHL player this year. I think him and Hall would be the same tier, and obviously uh, Forsberg too, who's now kind of, who's hurt for the Predators. But um, I think those three would be like tier one guys that you would you would trade prospects and move, uh, you know, move some better pieces around for. So I was going to ask you about like a a veteran, like an ultra veteran guy, like mid to late thirties, just wants to get on a winner. So you're not even interested in that kind of like a stopgap player, like a guy. Like I know we Brian Getz last name has come up a little bit, like here and there. You don't want anything to do with that. It depends on what the price would be. Like I know yeah. Dustin, Dustin Brown is out there too. Dustin um, Brown, another guy. Yep, yep. Which Brown, Brown or Getzloff? It wouldn't be, uh, I don't think it'd be the worst thing. Like I wouldn't hate it depending on what we had to give up. If we just gave up, you know, a second round pick and I don't know, maybe a lower round pick for that or, or, you know, a lower prospect, I would, I wouldn't hate it. So I don't know. I think it's more, the, the ask would be more for um, how badly that player wants to leave. I think if, okay. if that makes sense. This one is a, a wild card because the team has disappointed this season. They do have a lot of good young players. And honestly, I could ask about almost anyone from this roster. Would you go and like throw a huge package for somebody like, let's just go with, let's go with like Tyler Sagan or, or, or Jamie Ben or someone like that from Dallas? Uh, No, I don't think so. I'd rather, because before Lee got hurt, I was like, all right, you know, maybe let's just stand pat at this deadline. And, uh, you know, maybe wait till the off season. But now with Lee Hurt, I think you need uh, Ben Sagan. That's interesting because I haven't really thought about it. I don't think I'd go after them. Um, I know I keep going back to it, but the only one I think I throw a, a bigger package for is a guy like Line. A. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where other Islanders fans stand on Line, a, but I'm. I, I truly believe in the right system. I know he has problems, and I know he's not a consistent player, but. The talent is there. You know, the 50-goal scoring talent is there. I don't know how you work it in cap-wise, but his value is at an all-time low right now. And I think playing with a guy like Barzal and to have Line A and Wallstrom, two you know, snipers on the team, I think that really makes a difference. So, gun to head, Line A is the guy, is your guy. Like, yes. available guy. Okay. Line, okay. Well, there we go. We saw I don't that. even know if he's necessarily available, but that would be... That I don't think my guy. 
him being an RFA, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that he'd like, I, I just don't, he's not meshing well, right. Where he currently yeah. is. I think he, he wants to go somewhere totally different, which is, he's a guy that like Eichel was the hot name to be traded. And now we don't bring him up anymore because it seems like he's an off season thing. I think line A is probably going to be that as well. I still, I'm still interested. I think Pittsburgh, I know that's kind of cooled off as well with the Crosby Malkin stuff. Obviously Malkin's injured, but yeah, I, I like I threw it. I know Sagan's broke return to practice soon and i was like yeah dallas kind of stinks maybe they want to just do an overhaul whatever but so line a is the guy taylor hall you like all right we solved it there you go islanders i mean listen spaghetti meatballs you gotta this is what this is what meatballs want so we gotta we gotta make them happy very nice eddie spaghetti and you too mikey meatballs best wishes to your hockey clubs this weekend and the remainder of the regular season it's looking more and more like my Penguins will be in that mix and looking forward to watching the postseason. Oh, it's going to be good. Uh, make sure you're betting on whether it's the puck or March Madness these last few games or Brooklyn or the Knickerbockers or otherwise. Make sure you're doing it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. One last time, it's the word minus. The number three is how you do it. And as always, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, all the rest of it. Follow along at minus three pod. And uh, until next week after the sports weekend, we'll get you right for the next coming week of sports. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.